I'm, uh, I'm wondering how many April Fool's jokes are going to get played on Easter Sunday. Uh, I think word is spreading that there's a lot of fun you can have with that because I was watching this video clip that somehow, uh, I don't know how I found it actually. I don't know if someone sent it to me or what, but this guy was talking about uh, putting uh, vegetables in these plastic eggs for his kids <laughs> to hunt. It was funny because when he opened up one, it, it was a Brussels sprout, which looks like a green brain anyway. It's like, oh, that's the worst thing. That's horrible, but there's some fun we can have with this whole April Fool's thing for sure. Uh, but what I love about it is, you know, I've been thinking this whole time how cool that works out with, you know, uh, Jesus died, but the third day, April Fool's, he's not dead anymore. I love that. And that's what we're going to be celebrating next week. And, and, and we've been sort of preparing for that. Last week and this week, we've been sort of in between sermon series to sort of get ourselves ready because this is a big deal. Easter Sunday's coming, and uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to see lives change, to see someone, well, people are more apt to try church for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time. Uh, on Easter. Uh, So we talked about going, uh, and the reason we've been talking about going is because of what our mission statement says, that we exist to help every person take their next step with Jesus. That's why this church is here. We are bound to reach people. We are driven to to, to go out there and find everyone we can and help them to take whatever their next step is with Jesus. So we talk a lot about the four G's, gather, grow, give, and go. Gather in worship, grow in a group, give of your time, talent, and treasure, and then go. So we've been spending our time talking about going, and the reason is is because that's what Jesus told us to do. I want to read to you Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them, and this is after he was resurrected. He came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we've been told to go. It's the last thing Jesus said to do before he left. He says, this is what I command you, I commission you to be doing until we meet again. To go. To go do what? To go invest and invite is what we've been saying. Last week we talked about investing because it is the best use of your time, the best use of your days on earth is to be investing in people. That's what Jesus told us to do is to go make disciples, go help other people take their next step with me. Today we're going to talk about inviting, going and inviting. And I think one of the best examples of this is the historical account of a woman that we affectionately know as the woman at the well. So when we look at John chapter 4, it's a little rock and roll music I hear. Is that like a phone ringtone? I don't know. It's really good. I hear that rock and roll music. I thought I was going crazy there for a second because I'm like on day cool right now. So I'm like, oh, I thought I heard something. All right. So... We're looking at John 4, chapter 1 together, and and the Gospel of John is great. In fact, I was just having a conversation after the first service with a guy that was saying, hey, I've I've not not really 
I've not really read the Bible very much, and I want to know kind of how to begin that journey, how to read the Bible. And this is probably the most common answer I've heard given. I give it to if you really want to come to know God and come to know who Jesus is and really get into the Word of God, the best place to start is the book of John. The book of John is a great exhaustive account of Jesus and who he is. We're going to look at this encounter that he had with this woman at a well and see how it changed people's lives. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So this is kind of a well-documented thing that Jews and Samaritans, they don't get along. They kind of despise each other. They were rivals. Samaritans were, in fact, Jews who had intermarried with non-Jews, and so their children and grandchildren were sort of intermixed there. And so they were not allowed to come to Jerusalem and worship there. They were kind of uh, ostracized outcasts. They had taken up residence in, uh, in Samaria. And they, they just didn't interact with each other. So the fact that Jesus was talking to a Samaritan was kind of a big deal. The fact that he was talking to a Samaritan woman was even a bigger deal. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And she does exactly what we still do today. God is trying to give us something spiritual. God is trying to give us something eternal, and yet we're still stuck on the physical. We're still stuck on the temporary. We kind of think more in those terms. In fact, we probably spend more time asking God to give us something physical or temporary than we do asking him to give us what he eternally wants us to have and spiritually wants us to have. So she's not getting it, but you know what? We probably wouldn't have gotten it too, you know. Let's, let's not be too judgy about the woman at the well. She's like, sure, I'll have water that, uh, that springs up, and I won't have to come back to this well again. Give me that. So I, in order for Jesus to finally drive home the point that I'm trying to give you something more than something physical, I'm trying to give you something spiritual, he shifts gears. In verse 16, he says, he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. 
Awkward. <laughs> Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. <laughs> I love that. She's like, you know things. <laughs> you are a prophet. It goes on saying, verse 20, our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. I don't know if this is like, let's just change the subject <laughs> that, that she brings this up, or if she really had this burning question about, okay, we're different than the Jews, the Jews are different than us, and they say you got to worship here, and we got to worship there, and this is a great opportunity, you know things, you're obviously a prophet, so can you explain some things to me? I don't know uh, if it was that or just she didn't want to talk about her love life anymore, I'm not sure which. But here's how Jesus replied. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit and His worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Well, there's a whole other sermon right there. But suffice it to say that as she has asked this question about religion, Jesus is already tearing down a lot of that and saying it's about worshiping the one true God and you're caught up in the, the places and the things and the modes. And I'm about to tell you it's about a personal relationship, which is really cool. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And this is rare. When you read through the New Testament, you read through the gospel accounts, Jesus didn't tell just anybody who he really was, that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. But this Samaritan woman at the well he chose to reveal that too. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? They're kind of stuck on the temporary and the physical also. And he's talking about spiritual things. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. I believe as he was saying that, that they could probably see the townspeople from Samaria starting to come and approach to inquire of this man that this woman had met. Can't you see? Open your eyes and look at the fields. He says in verse 36, Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. And, then, and here's the reaping. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days, and because of his words, many more became believers. 
They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Having seen all of this story, here's what I want you to know. You are already qualified to invite people to meet Jesus. You are already qualified for that. If I were to send you out today and say, man, you've got a job to do this week because we have this wonderful opportunity called Easter where you can invite people to come and worship and come to see and come to meet this Jesus whom we have worshiped today, whom we have celebrated today. Now, let's go do that. You may be tempted to think, yeah, but I don't know, man. If, if you knew my life, if you knew what I've been through, if you knew what I go through, if you knew who I was, if you knew my past, that would be what you're tempted to say. But you see this woman at the well, right? What made her qualified to win her town, to win her village to Jesus? It's probably easier to make a list of potential disqualifiers. Like, I can see how she might be potentially disqualified. For instance, she seemed a little bit confused about religion. What mountain should I worship on? And Jews versus Samaritans and I don't know. She seems like she needs some clarity there. On top of that, she's got man problems. Her love life's a bit of a wreck. So eh, maybe that's a problem. She seems to struggle understanding spiritual things. When Jesus is trying to give her something spiritual, she thinks he's talking about physical. And on top of that, she's known Jesus for what, a minute? (laughs) What qualifies her? Oh, she's more than qualified. And when you saw what happened, her entire town came out to check out this Jesus whom she had met. The Bible says that many, many Samaritans came to faith in Jesus because of her, because of this woman at the well. So I don't care what's in your past. I don't care what's in your present. Based on what I'm reading here about this woman at the well, You can't tell me or God anything that says, oh, wait, you're the exception. You really have no business inviting people to meet Jesus. It's just not true. You are right now currently qualified to invite people to encounter Jesus. Invite them to hear your story. Invite them to church. Invite them for coffee. Invite them into your life. Invite them to let you be praying for them or even pray with them. There are so many opportunities for you to invite. And I tell you what's going to happen. The enemy's going to whisper in your ear that you're just not good enough to do that. You're not good enough to do that. Well, did you see, again, the woman at the well, was she good enough to do that? Here's the good news. None of us are good enough to do that. Why? Well, this is not about how good you are. This is absolutely about how good he is. That's what all this is about. And you know what? When we experience something good and we think it's so good, we usually don't have to be motivated to tell people to experience it. I've been told, Matt's told me, he said, you're kind of a foodie. You really like food a lot. And I think it's probably true because I find myself spreading the good news. I had moonrise donuts from Latonia last night and this morning. Uh, it is amazing. 
So if you've never had, if, well, yeah, hopefully you've had some good donuts in your life. If not, if you want to know what I believe might be the best in Northern Kentucky, Moonrise Donuts in Latonia. Uh, me and my buddy Wade Napier, we went to Nothing Bunt Cakes uh, about a week ago together. He had never had one of those Bunt Cakes there. Life-changing, guys. So this is easy for me. Like, if I experience something really good, I don't have any problem telling people, you've got to come try this. This is really awesome. We're good at that. I, you know what I'm saying? If it's something that's really good that gets us kind of pumped up, we, we don't have any problems inviting people to experience that in some way. We'll make that post. We'll, we'll put that out on our Facebook page. We'll, we'll tell someone we care about about that. But we shut down when it comes to the goodness of God. I don't know why we do that. Do you know why we do that? I mean, I think I know why. I think we get freaked out. We get scared, and we think we're not good enough, or we're afraid people's going to reject us because we're pushing religion on them. I mean, the list goes on and on. I'm just telling you right now, don't let the enemy complicate this. Do you believe that Jesus is good? Have you experienced and tasted the goodness of God in your life? If you have, don't hold back. Invite others to experience his goodness. I would say it like this. Invite your village to meet the Jesus that you have met. This woman went running into town. Hey, she didn't even know for sure she kind of thought maybe, but she said, could this be the Messiah? That was her message. you got to come check this out. Could this be the Messiah? And there's so many of us in this room that we have embraced him as Lord and Savior and Messiah and King of our lives for so long, and yet we have forgotten how good he is, or maybe he's just a placeholder in our life religiously rather than a person that we actually know relationally. And we got to change that. Because I'm hoping that you leave here today saying, man, i got, I got to realize how good he is. I've not really been thinking that way. I've just been like, yeah, he's Jesus. And yeah, I believe in him. And yeah, he died for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're so numb to that. It's time to not be numbed by that anymore and realize he is awesome. Who he is and what he's done for us, it is life-changing. It changes everything. If you experience the goodness of Christ, if so, man, it's time to invite your village. Because God has given you a village. He's given you a town, figuratively. It, it's your household. It's, it's your workplace. It's your classroom. It's your locker room. It's, it's your Facebook friends. It's, it's those who are in your circle, that is your village, do they know how much you think about Jesus? Do they know how good you think he is? We all have a village. The question is, is will we invite them? Will we invite them? Jesus gave us one thing to do until we meet him again, and that's go. Go. Go into your village and tell them of the goodness of Jesus. So I'm going to give you a next step to consider. This is an easy one. Ask God to reveal to you one person to invite to church this week. That's simple. Ask God to reveal that to you. I even hesitate to say it that way because I don't even think this woman at the well did that. <laughs> She's like, 
Hey, everybody, you got to come check this dude out. He knows all about my five husbands. How did he know that? He must be, he, he might be the Messiah. He says he is. That's, I don't even think she stopped to think about the invitation. She just went and did it because this is good stuff. This is so good. you got to come check this out. And I'm hoping that today and the next day throughout this week as we approach Easter, that you just kind of let go of the, of, the, of the inhibitions that cause you to want to keep Jesus to yourself. Invite someone to come to church. And, man, there's no better place on the planet to pretend potentially have your life changed than in a place like this because I remember very well the one who invited me to start going to church while I was in high school my sophomore year a guy by the name of Brad Hall and I, I wasn't close friends with him I was an acquaintance of his and I don't know what led up to it but he just simply said hey would you want to come to church with me this Sunday and I said yes because I got invited why not so I went, and it began a new pattern in my life where I went again. Now, I didn't go every week, but I started going again. And then that summer, I went to that summer camp I'd gone to six summers prior. This was my seventh summer, and I believe what God did when, when Brad invited me to church, it was like sticking the plow to the soil, tilling up all that hard soil to get it ready for me to finally hear the voice of God at camp saying, hey, dude, I did all this for you. I died for you. If you believe in me, I will give you new life forever. And I accepted him that summer, and man, my life was transformed. You can be the person that helps change someone's life by just simply saying, hey, want to come to church with me this Sunday? We even gave you a tool that you can use, a little card that you can take and give to someone. It was in your seat when you came in. We got more out in the lobby. Will you invite someone to experience the goodness of Jesus? And maybe another question to ask you as we close our time together is this. Have you experienced his goodness? If you can't say yes to that, then this could be the first step of faith that you take today where you, as I pray in just a moment, that you pray and say, okay, God, I need to have you in my life. I've not been experiencing your goodness. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my King. I want you to be my Messiah Will you come into my life. If you pray and ask him that, the Bible says that by faith, he will enter in and give you eternal life, give you forgiveness be with you forever. If you'll let him, he will come in. And if you will let him, he will use you to change someone else's life. Will you go is the question. Let's pray. Father, thank you for reminding us how simple it is to be impactful to someone else's life. As I see this woman that was just at a well, met you, was blown away by you, could not keep it in to her townspeople. God, I pray that we would be more like her this week as we approach Easter. Father, thank you for how good you are. And Lord, if there's someone in this room that has never placed their trust in you, may they take that first step right now and say, Jesus, save me, forgive me, and come into my life today. Father, Lord, may someone be changed by you 
today in this place and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen.